If you'll uh, please take your Bible and turn with me at this time. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, and verses 12 through 17. This is uh, the second message in our new series. Uh, Our series is called Jesus in Jerusalem. And uh, as we learned last week, this section of Scripture that we're in, Matthew chapters 21 through 25, focuses on the last week in Jesus' life in Jerusalem and the growing conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders. You wonder, how do you get from Palm, uh, from a, yeah, Palm Sunday when everybody was cheering Jesus to Good Friday where Jesus is hanging on a cross? Well, how you get there is Jesus in Jerusalem. What happened between Sunday and Friday? And that's what we're studying in this series. And if you think the leaders were upset by Jesus' triumphal entry last week, well, just wait until you see what happens in today's passage when Jesus cleanses the temple. Uh, we are not making friends and in, in, uh, what is it, Influ- making friends, influencing people, whatever that book is. But yeah, Jesus uh, cleanses the temple and now the conflict increases. This is actually the second time that Jesus cleanses the temple. He did it once at the beginning of his ministry, and now he does it again here at the end of his ministry. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 12 through 17 in the course of the message, but to get started, uh, we're just going to read verses 12 and 13. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We're in Matthew 21, and I'm just going to read verses 12 and 13. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look into these verses and those following it this morning, we want to open our hearts to you. Uh, Lord, this is uh, one of the more solemn passages of Scripture, and uh, it often startles us to see you acting in this way. Help us to understand why, and help us to understand the beauty and the sacredness of your house where we come to worship you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Cleaning house. We all have to clean house from time to time, right? Some of us like to do a little each day. Some of us do a weekly cleaning. And then some of us say, you know what? I'll just wait till spring, right? We got spring cleaning coming up. I'll do it all then, you know? And, and, but we all have to do cleaning, right? Well, Jesus, in our passage today, he's going to do some spring cleaning. Because it's spring. It's Passover time. Jesus arrives at the temple in Jerusalem in time for Passover, and he proceeds to clean house. He cleans house. People often wonder about this story. They go, did Jesus really get angry? Absolutely. Well, isn't that wrong to get angry? Absolutely not. It's not wrong to be angry at the right things. There's a righteous anger. If you're angry at the right things, those things that offend God, those things that hurt other people, then there's a righteous anger. The Old Testament prophesied that when the Messiah came, he would come to the temple and he would clean house. He would cleanse the temple. We read in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, 
Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. But who can endure the day of his coming? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap, cleaning, cleansing. And so Jesus comes to the temple in fulfillment of prophecy, and he comes to clean house. And in doing so, he teaches us three important truths about God's house. There's an outline in your worship guide. I'd encourage you to take that outline out at this time. Uh, You'll find these three points there, and there's a room to jot down some notes if you'd like to as well as we go through our message. Three important truths about God's house. Number one, God's house is a place of prayer, not profit. Number two, God's house is a place of healing, not hate. Number three, God's house is a place of praise, not protest. These truths were important for the people to learn back then. They are important for us to know today. Because here's what it all comes down to, okay, folks? If we don't clean house, God will. If we don't clean house, God will. And so it's vitally important that we learn these important truths about God's house. So let's get started. First of all, God's house is a place of prayer, not profit. A place of prayer, not profit. Look at verses 12 and 13 with me now. We just read these, but let's look at them together now. Jesus entered the temple area. He drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. People sometimes misunderstand what Jesus is doing in these verses. It's not that Jesus was against the temple. It's not that Jesus was against the sacrifices. That that was all in God's word, right? No, Jesus was against the abuses that were taking place at the temple. He was against the sin that was taking place at the temple. Now, the money changers at the temple, they they were actually providing a very necessary service. This was Passover. You had people coming from all over the place, and they had different currency. They had Greek currency and Roman currency, and that had to be uh, converted into temple currency to make their offerings. Similar to when you travel to other countries today, right? You, You go to the currency exchange. You hand in your dollars. You get whatever the currency is for that country. And then the dove sellers, they also provided an important service because the people arriving for Passover, they needed animals for sacrifice. But if you're traveling a long distance, it wasn't always convenient to bring your animals with you. So he said, you know what? I'll get to Jerusalem. I'll I'll get my animals there. So if these were all necessary and important services, then what's the problem here? Well, there's a couple of problems here. One is the location. Look where all this buying and selling is going on in the temple. It's the wrong place for this. It's not what the temple is for. And then another problem, perhaps even more serious, is that the money changers, the dove sellers, were taking advantage of the people. They're not just providing a service. There is extortion going on. There is price gouging going on. The money changers added transaction fees as high as 6% for 
for their services. This was a a money-making deal for them. The dove sellers jacked up the prices. Some reports say sometimes 50 times as much as what it would normally be because the travelers didn't have a lot of options. It's like, I didn't bring doves. I'm going to have to buy them at the temple. Similar at a ball game. You go to a, you know, what does a hot dog cost at Publix? You go to a ball game. Okay, $12 for a hot dog. You slap it down. You don't have any other choice, right? God's house is a place of prayer, not profit. And so Jesus enters the temple. He drives out everyone who's buying and selling there. And he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. You are making it a den of of robbers. And Jesus is actually quoting from two Old Testament passages there. One's from Isaiah, one from Jeremiah. We're going to look at the Jeremiah one in just a moment and then the Isaiah one a little bit later. But there's a couple of things we learn from this section of our passage. And the first is this. We must not tolerate sin or abuse in the church. We must not tolerate sin or abuse in the church. Jesus didn't tolerate it in the temple We must not tolerate it in the church. We read this in Jeremiah 7. This is one of the passages that Jesus quoted to them. But I'm going to read uh, the context around it. Jeremiah 7, 9 through 11. Where God is saying this. Will you steal and murder? Commit adultery and perjury? And then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. You know, the people in Jeremiah's day felt that, you know, as long as we've got the temple, we're safe. Right? We've got the temple. We can do what we want. We can live as we please. And then we can still come to the temple and to worship and pray. You know what? People sometimes feel the same way today, don't they? They go to church on Sundays, and then they do what they want the rest of the week. You see, that's not what church is all about. And just as the temple is called God's house in the Old Testament, the church is called God's house in the New Testament. In the book of 1 Timothy, Paul gives Timothy all sorts of instructions about the church. And then he tells Timothy this. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, Timothy, I'm writing these things so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's house, God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Now, the church is not just the building, okay? It's the people. In other words, you and me, we are God's house. And we must conduct ourselves accordingly. Here's the bottom line. You cannot live in sin all week long and then come to church on Sunday as though none of that matters. It's exactly what what God said to the people through Jeremiah. And he says it to us today. He says, will you steal and murder and commit adultery and live as you please all week long and then you will come and stand before me in this house which bears my name? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. 
Now, the message here is, is not this, okay? I don't want you to miss. The message is not don't come to church, okay? That's not the message here. We want you to come to church. God wants you to come to church. So the solution to all this is not don't come to church. The solution is to forsake sin and seek God. Because that's what Jesus said, right? He said, my house is a house of prayer. And so we come together as a church to do what? We come to pray and to seek the Lord. We read in Psalm 122, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That is where the tribes go up, to praise the name of the Lord. We read in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. 1 Timothy 2.8 encourages us to lift up holy hands in prayer. God's house is a house of prayer. Now, that doesn't mean the, the only thing we do is pray. Rather, it means that everything we do is bathed in prayer and done in an attitude of prayer. And so we come to God's house, we worship and we pray together, we offer up praises and songs to our Lord, we give our attention to God and to His Word. That's the first thing we learn from our passage today. God's house is a place of prayer, not profit. A place of holiness, not a place for sin, for selfish gain, or abuse. And then secondly, God's house is a place of healing, not hate. A place of healing, not hate. Look at verse 14 with me next. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. He healed them. This is significant for a number of reasons. First of all, and we've, we've learned this as we've been studying the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' healing miracles were one of the signs that he is the Messiah, that he was the Messiah. Remember, the Old Testament said, when Messiah comes, you'll recognize him. You know why? Because the lame will walk, the blind will see, the deaf will hear. But you see, the fact that Jesus heals them right here in the temple is even more significant because the blind... And the lame or the otherwise physically handicapped were not allowed to offer sacrifices in the temple. That wasn't God's rule. Okay, that was something that sort of the people had come up with over time. They were excluded from temple worship. They were restricted as to where they could go. But Jesus, by healing them in the temple, makes it clear that all are welcome in God's house. All are welcome in God's house. The book of Isaiah talks about uh, various people who had been excluded from temple worship. And then we read this wonderful prophecy in Isaiah 56, verses 6 and 7. This is the other passage that Jesus quoted from uh, when he was in the temple. It says this, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, these I will bring to my holy mountain, And I will give them joy in my house of prayer. And their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, all are welcome in God's house. 
The church is a place where people of all races, backgrounds, and social status, we join together to worship and serve the one true and living God. The church is not a social club. It is the family of God, and all who come truly seeking God are welcome. So please know this this morning. Whatever your background, whatever your past, whatever sins you may currently be struggling with, please know that you are welcome here. You are welcome to come and share and learn about God, to learn about His wonderful love for you and His free gift of eternal life through faith. In Jesus Christ, his son. And here's the good news about the church and the gospel. You know, all are welcome, so we come as we are, right? But we don't stay as we are. Isn't that good news? We come as we are, but we don't stay as we are. You know, the blind and the lame came to the temple, blind and lame, right? But they didn't leave that way. Praise God. And one of the wonderful things about church is you don't have to fix up your life before you come. We sometimes get that all backwards, don't we? We think, okay, well, before I go to church, I've got to get everything you know, fixed up in my life. I've got to get my life together. And then I'll come. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, come as you are. Church is not a place for holy people who have it all together. It's a place for sinners like you and me who need Jesus to help us get it together. And when you come seeking him in his house of prayer, Jesus will help you. When you put your faith in him, he will not only forgive you of all of your sins, but he will also help you to grow in holiness. But you need to come to him, seeking him, sincerely asking for his help. We read this in Romans chapter 12. Uh, These are the instructions. You know, Paul says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. No, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's house is a place of healing, not hate. So we come to church as broken, hurting Sinful people, we put our trust in Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. We offer our bodies to him as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We submit ourselves to the teaching of God's word, which now allows us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We come as we are, but praise God, we do not stay as we are. So we've seen that God's house is a place of prayer, not profit. God's house is a place of healing, not hate. And then finally, God's house is a place of praise, not protest. Look at verses 15 through 17 with me now. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read 
From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. So Jesus is in the temple. He's healing the blind and the lame. The children are singing his praises. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law are not happy about any of this. You know, the temple, this was their area. Okay? This was their ground. Jesus was invading their territory. And so when they see Jesus healing the sick and the children shouting Jesus' praises in their temple, instead of joining in with the praises, they begin to protest instead. Of course, this is their first mistake is it's not their temple, is it? It's not their temple. It's God's temple. We often make the same mistake with the church today, don't we? we? We don't like what's going on in our church, and so we protest instead of praise. You see, it's not our church. It's God's church. And unlike the chief priests and teachers of the law, people, we should be glad when Jesus invades our territory, right? They didn't want Jesus in the temple. We desperately want Jesus in our church. A couple of things we learn about God's house from this section. First of all, that worship and praise are central. We read in the Psalms, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his holy name. A lot of things we do in church, but primarily we come to worship and praise God. It is his house of prayer. Worship and praise are central. Then the second thing we learn from this section is we must be careful not to forsake our first love or to get distracted. Now, we already learned uh, earlier that you know, this is not the first time Jesus cleared the temple. It's not the first time. He did it at the beginning of his ministry. He does it now. It's also not the last time that Jesus will cleanse the temple because God's judgment will fall upon the temple in in A.D. 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem. And we learn from scriptures that Jesus continues to clean house in his church even today. When we forget what church is all about, Jesus warns us, I will come, I will remove the lampstand, I will clean house. Jesus warned the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. After saying lots of nice things about them, he said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And then he tells them, repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you. I will remove your lampstand from its place. The church of Ephesus started strong. But somewhere along the way, what happened? They lost their first love. And they got distracted. And they forgot to make the main thing the main thing. You know, we do the same thing today when we get distracted, when we lose our focus, when we bring politics into the church, or we focus on peripheral issues, or we do anything that waters down the gospel or takes away from the praise of Jesus 
in our church. You see, the, the church is a place of praise, not protest. And we must be careful not to forsake our first love or to get distracted. Because what will happen if, if we don't? If, if those things happen, Jesus says, I'm going to come. I'm going to clean house. And then the last thing we learn from this section is that Jesus is the rightful recipient of our praise. And the children were singing Jesus' praises and the religious leaders got upset. You notice that they were more upset about the children singing praises than they were by the robbers in the temple. They kind of just sort of let that pass them by. And they come up to Jesus and they confront him. They said, do you hear what these children are saying? He says, oh yeah, yeah, I hear it. And then he asks them, he says, have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? He was quoting from Psalm 8, which begins, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. They asked Jesus, don't you hear? Jesus asked them, haven't you read? In other words, of course they'd read this. They should have known all of this. It's right there in God's word. They should have rejoiced to hear these children singing Christ's praises in the temple. You see, Jesus is the rightful recipient of our praise. He received the praise of the children. He receives the praise of his people today. We read in Philippians chapter 2. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Finally, in verse 17, we read how Jesus withdrew to Bethany where he spent the night. I'm guessing he probably stayed with his friends, Mary and Martha and and Lazarus, whom he had just recently raised from the dead. They lived in Bethany. And this is just a small detail, Jesus withdrawing from the city. But it takes on an ominous tone, doesn't it, in the context of our passage. Jesus withdraws from the city, even as Jesus will withdraw from all those who abuse the place of worship. God's house is a place of praise, not protest. You know, it's easy for us to lose our focus, to get off course. It's easy for us to forget who we are called to be and what we are called to do as a church. That's why God calls us to evaluate. And we need to stop and ask ourselves that question from time to time. Do we need to clean house as a church? You need to ask yourself that question. Do you need to clean house in your personal life? Because you are part of the church. Have you forsaken your first love? Have you become distracted from what church is all about? How is God calling you to change this morning? Every church needs to make the effort to clean house. Because once again, if we don't, God will. Let's work hard to keep the main thing, the main thing here at Plantation Community Church. Let's remember God's house is a place of prayer, not profit.
place of healing, not hate. A place of praise, not protest. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. It's a challenging word. It's a convicting word, but a word that we need to hear. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak life into our church. That if there are areas where we need to clean house, that you will bring them to the light. That even as you instructed that church in Ephesus to repent and to do the things that they had done before, the good things, the right things, that we would repent. Whether as a church as a whole or, Lord, as individual people, if we are bringing unholy things into our church, that we would repent, that we would be able to lift up holy hands in your house of prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. This is your church. You are head of your church. Cleanse us. Purify us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.